It's time to rock and roll! As we can do. Um, hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to another uh, interview on the, the Waffle Press Podcast Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. Dean's not able to make it today. He's a little under the weather, but I know he's sorry to miss this. Uh, please welcome our guest, uh, Roger Cumble. How are you doing? Great. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I just want to go back to the beginning really quick. When did you first realize you wanted to be a filmmaker? Oh, God. Um, I didn't. You know, I wanted to be a screenwriter. I came out um, I came out to L.A. in 1988. Um, you know, I was... Uh, uh, I was uh, part of this uh, kind of exodus after they read um, Shane Black's Lethal Weapon. Um, it was like 1988 and they read William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade. I'm really dating myself. I don't know if your audience knows that, but uh, we were all kind of disciples of that. And I came out to Hollywood and, and you know, was just trying to make it as a screenwriter and did that for a bunch of uh, years. And, uh, took like you two can make it in Hollywood classes. And, and I wrote with uh, Marlene King uh, was my writing partner for a few years. And she went on to create Pretty Little Liars and had a great uh, career. But I didn't really find my voice until I started writing uh, theater. I wrote um, little 99 seat plays out in Hollywood. Um, and then I was uh, mentored by Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly brothers. Um, and uh had the pleasure of, of learning from him and wrote some jokes and in, in like Dumb and Dumber and something about Mary and um, learned from him. And then I had my big kind of discovery break in, in 1997 when um, um, David Schwimmer um, decided to do a little 99 seat play of mine and that I got to direct him in. And he really taught me about directing. And, and it was that year that I had the idea to take dangerous liaisons and turn it into a, a modern day um, story about mean Upper East Side kids. No, that, that's fantastic. I, I want to go back to the, the top of that, of your response, because you, you mentioned you were about dating yourself a little bit with Shane Black and William Goldman. And like, you know, as like more modern uh, conversationalists about movies, yeah. you do have to talk about what's, you know, in the constant ether all the time. But I try to bring Shane Black and William Goldman up in conversation as oh. much as possible. I'm <laughs> huge fans of both their work, um, especially the late great William Goldman. Yeah, uh, so it's it's really cool to see that you know that that carries through even even now. People will still bring them up uh, in, in conversation. Um, yeah, they're huge inspirations, and I mean, Cruel Intentions was such like a a pivotal movie in my like my my cinematic like upbringing. You right. Know? Thank because, you. You know, like truthfully, because like you know, I, I think growing up, like, because I'm I'm a I was a little younger when it came out to theater, right, right, right. <laughs> but it was um it, I still like bring it up in conversation because I, I think it has this this sort of reputation as like maybe a, a so bad it's good, but like no no it's like a good movie, and I think people have grown to understand that has your like history, you know, being the the director of that film, has it grown over time? You've seen the reputation of it change? Have you? Is there like you see yeah. aspects of a fan base? Yeah, I think so. It's funny, you know. It's like uh, we. I did an interview like for the twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary of it. And, oh God, I'm old. Um, not too no. long ago, and somebody was like, "What do you attribute the success of it?" And then I said, "I'm." I I said, "If I can, if I can attribute it to anything, it was because I'm a." 
because I was a theater director and I, and it was my first film, you know, that second scene in the film, it's literally a 10 page scene. And if you look at the blocking, it's like a play. Um, and it, there's no cutting really. It's not, and if I did it today, I would have screwed it up. I, you'd cut, I'd cut that up into a bunch of little scenes, you know? Um, and it forces you to pay attention, you know, to really invest in those characters. And they, it wouldn't have been made that way. And, and you really kind of are, are drawn into the world, you know? Um, and it was kind of my ignorance and, and inexperience as a filmmaker that really make that film work because it's very little extras in that movie. You know, if you if you relook at it again, you know, it's 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 a very indie film. It's it there's not a lot going on. Um, very few actors and all that. So uh, uh, and it is kind of heightened melodrama. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think that's a, that's a good point. Like it's such a it's got such a unique tone. There's very thorny subject matter, you know, yeah. the past chemistry sings. And I think that's a good segue for uh, Beautiful Disaster, which yeah. you also wrote and directed. Um, yeah. Do you find that they had similar sensibilities? Is that what maybe drew you to this project? You know, they do. I think I'm always kind of torn. I, I'm always drawn to like a tale of redemption or tales of like, you know, like kind of bad boys. I, I probably am guilty of... of uh, leaning a little lighter and i think parenting has probably done that to me um um i'm guilty of it but yeah i do i i am kind of drawn drawn to those subjects you know uh but i'll always start from a place of theme uh when i when i'm pulled into these stories so to speak uh but yeah i, I could see a pattern of it carrying through from from cruel intentions to beautiful disaster and and uh um, even even after we collided, you know. Yeah, how did you come to direct Beautiful Disaster? What was the process of getting this thing made? It was, um, you know, I I just finished that the after film, and I was um, uh, noodling about on this app Goodreads, and um, I I saw they have these lists, and this book kept popping up at the top of every list. Uh, called Beautiful Disaster. And I was like, what is this? And and I read it and it was like this book and it was like 10 years old, but it checked a lot of boxes for me because I, I, I was like, wow, this is kind of like uh, an interesting kind of redemption tale. But, but it was like, you know, there was fighting in it and a girl with a past and it was sexy. And, uh, but it was also a, a book that, uh, yeah, it was kind of unmakeable because there was all this money against it at a studio. They developed it. It went nowhere. Uh, so, but I, I got the rights from the author, but I, I, I just specced it. I didn't, I, I, I did my own thing and I didn't deal with the rights. So I didn't have to pay fees or anything like that. So I just took a gamble. Um, and I was able to, um, um, uh, the studio that made the after movie was like, well, if you go to Bulgaria this fall, we'll make it for this amount of money. Really? Um, that's a, that's a very short version. Um, and, and so, so off we went basically.
No, um, it's, you know, I, I think it's important to sort of like demystify the filmmaking process a little bit. I think maybe sometimes younger filmmakers especially have this like romanticized ideal of it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like a job. It, it doesn't mean there's not care and passion put into it, but I think. That's yeah, I mean, it was, the gamble was I, 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 I had to, you know, I, I wrote for free, you know, there, that like, even at, even at, with my career and all that, I, I, I didn't, I didn't try to make a deal with a studio to pitch it and outline it and all that. I just, I took a risk. I spent a, like six months writing it on my own for no money. That's, that's just like anybody else that you're starting out. Uh, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. I mean, Hey, the risk paid off. You made the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it works. I I think the I I really did intensely bring cool intentions because that's the same type of vibe. And you mentioned like the blocking and stuff like that. And are, are there more extras in this movie? Like I didn't even have like this thought going into this this interview, but like it it feels sort of like fuller, like uh, frame wise. Like you fill up the frame a little bit. This more. one, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. I mean, we were strategic because we were in COVID, you know. Right. So, so, you know, you have to take that into consideration. So everybody, you know, what was funny is like we were playing Sofia, uh, uh, Bulgaria for Sacramento, California, you know, so, so uh, everything uh, just getting technical for a second, you're like, okay, um, you know, you want, you want diversity. Um, so you're like, fine, all the ethnic people um, in Sophia, <laughs> you know, and you have to surround your actors with that, you know, on the campus and all that. So it's like planning a battle, you know, luckily I had a great first AD and a great DP and all that, uh, to come up with the best look for the film, especially with the fights and especially with the campus stuff. No, uh, thank you for that insight. And like, I, I could, ask you a million more questions all day i just want to leave you with this last one um yeah. we were talking about like the uh your you kind of you did this you wrote this for free on spec uh what advice would you give to younger filmmakers trying to go about making their their projects nowadays you know the industry's changed over the last couple yeah. years and um if you had any advice i'd love to uh, leave people with that i would um just use your use this and make stuff just make stuff. I mean, the technology's there and and um, the distribution is there, be it um, YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and just go start experimenting. And if I like perfectionism is the enemy um, and I'm guilty of it as well. Um, and, and just start putting stuff out there and just, you know, not, not get too precious. Um, and just keep making stuff, you know, I, I think that's the, that's the best thing. No, well, thank you for that. Uh, Roger Comel, director of A Beautiful Disaster, check it out as soon as possible. Um, I, I believe it'll be streaming soon and available for everyone to watch uh, from the comfort of their own home. I know they had the, the Fathom event recently. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, please check it out. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Diego. Thanks.